have a passage in the Old Testament I want us to look at today. If you can be finding Hosea, the prophet Hosea chapter 10. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12 and 13. Hosea 10 verse 12 and 13. Paraphrase reading in Hosea 10, verse 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Uh, one version says steadfast love. I like the uh, translation of mercy here. Sow in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up the fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness upon you. You have plowed wickedness, you've reaped iniquity, and eaten the fruit of your lies. You've trusted in your own ways in the multitude of your mighty men. Well, this passage is uh, obviously from a prophet, and he is putting out uh, for us here a pathway to renewal, personal renewal. And he uses for us a, uh, the analogy of farming. Uh, during this is about 750 years before Jesus came, and most of the Israelites were agricultural, and so they understood uh, these farming metaphors, sowing and reaping and rain coming down. Uh, all was part of their daily vocabulary. You also have to remember when you read Hosea that it's, it's so far back that it's right near David and his son Solomon where uh, Israel was at its zenith. Um, there's actually a description of Solomon which was David's son, when he ruled over all the 12 tribes together, it says that he had 1,400 chariots, which chariots then would be like uh, a Cadillac today. Very expensive, only high-class people had them. Uh, I don't know, maybe y'all have Cadillacs. <laughs> How many cat dogs? Pass the offering plate again. <laughs> but it says here that in 1 Kings 10, that in verse 27, and the king, that is Solomon, made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. I mean, that's how prosperous they were. Silver was like st rocks you pick up off the street. And so with this prosperity came a neglect of God. There, a, a kind of self-sufficiency developed, an independence from God, a lack of a... There was not that sense of desperation for God's blessing. So prayers were neglected. 
the Word of God was neglected and attendance upon the worship. And they went further. It says in Hosea 4, Hosea also describes them. He says, the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. He says, there's no faithfulness. There's no steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. But swearing and lying and murder and stealing and adultery and they... They break boundaries and blood follows bloodshed and so the land mourns and all who dwell languish. Well, he could be describing uh, Chicago or Flint or the nation. And it's Hosea 4, 7, And as they increased, so they sinned against me. The more money they made, the more sinful they became. The more idols they could have. More boats on the lake. More cabins up north. More things to do than things with God and seeking God. So many distractions. So much competition with the God of heaven. And I blessed them, and they took the blessings and said thank you and walked away from me. So Hosea 10 calls us back to God, and he says in using this language of farming, he says, sow for yourselves righteousness. In other words, do the things that are right that you know. It's like sowing seed. And then you will reap mercy. There's consequence to doing right. And then he says, break up fallow ground in verse 12. What is fallow ground? I, I, I was raised on a farm, but I had to look this up. Because I wasn't sure what fallow ground is. And here's my understanding of it. And I think we used to do it, actually. Where you would leave a field alone for a while. And it would become hardened, and, and, but nothing is a vacuum. So weeds would grow, and thorns would grow, and that's a fallow ground. He says, break up fallow ground. And he's not talking about your field. He's talking about your heart and your spiritual life with God. And what happens is when it's neglected, you got all this junk in it, all these affections for other things and all these desires. And here's the way Jesus put, put it. He said in Matthew 13, verse 20, what was sown, the seed is the word, and it was sown on rocky ground. So this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but it has no root. So it endures only for a little while, and then when tribulation comes or persecution because of the word, then they fall away. Then he says, and what was sown among thorns, the word, the seed was sown among thorns. And this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world... The deceitfulness of riches chokes the word and it proves unf unfruitful. So many things that are growing up around the word. The seed is planted and then you have all these weeds and thorns and it just sucks all the nourishment right out of the soil so that, so that the word does not bring forth fruit. And uh, I, being... Raised on a farm, 
I try to have a little garden every year, and so I had one in the back this year. I, I think I still have it, <laughs> but it's. Uh, I was noticing a couple of weeks ago, I had neglected it, and man, I mean, the the weeds had started to grow up. And I told Jan, I said, I'm going to either have to plow this thing or I'm going to have to mow it, one or the other. Because it was just full. You couldn't tell where the yard stopped and the garden began. And we'd have tomato vines coming up out of the yard. And that's the way our hearts is. But Because if you don't clean it out, it will just entangle the fruit-bearing yield. And so Jesus said, the cares of the world, the anxieties of this and that, the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word. That's what fallow ground is. And then he says, for it is time... Hosea 10, 12, to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. You, Verse 13, you have plowed iniquity and reaped uh, injustice or unrighteousness. You got the consequence of it. You have eaten the fruit of lies. What that means is that these, you believe some lies. And you went after what you were told and it was disappointing. So that your life is now characterized by disappointment and you are on the verge of becoming cynical. You've eaten the fruit of lies. And then he says... And because you've trusted in your own way, here's what I think I should do. Or maybe some of your pals, friends, here's what they think I should do. But you haven't determined what God wants you to do. What does God want you to do? You're like Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. Isaiah 53 said we've all turned like sheep to our own way. And then he said, and you've trusted in the multitude of your mighty men or your heroes, the multitude of your heroes, your warriors. Hosea was, he said, the Israelites are putting all their trust in the mighty men of renown in Israel. Politics. We'll trust the politicians. Oh, that'll work well. And so what has happened is that their life is characterized by disappointment. They've, they're eating the fruit of, their li- of lies that they believed. They, they trusted their own way and they, now they don't know what to do. They're confused. And they trusted the multitude of their warriors or their heroes. And that's not panned out. So now they don't know what to do. And Hosea comes in and he says, I want to tell you what to do. Seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord. Because he says uh, in verse 12, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. And this, I think, is the word for us today. Is that God wants us to realize that in our life, 
It is now time to seek the Lord. That this is the moment which is conducive and which God is calling us to seek Him. To put Him first, to focus on Him and make Him our, our true God and worship Him. Let me give you three reasons here from this passage on why it's time. Why is the time now ripe to seek the Lord in particular? And we've mentioned them, but here they are. Three reasons. One is because much time is already wasted. There's an urgency in this text. Every farmer knows there's a time to plant and sow and reap a harvest. And once the season is past, the time is over. So Hosea is saying, look, now is the time to seek the Lord. There is a period, an open window for us in which we can seek Him. When when our expectations are dashed and disappointment and cynicism characterizes our life, then we know it's time to seek the Lord till He comes and He rains righteousness upon us. I want to give you this verse. This comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. And it talks about wasted time in our past. He says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same manner of thought, For whoever suffers in the flesh ceases from sin. In other words, Jesus, to do the will of God, had to go to the cross. Well, to do the will of God sometimes is inconvenient and causes us to have to be self-denying and be obedient to God no matter if the flesh doesn't want us to. So he says, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with that same mind. For whoever suffers in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live the rest of his time in the flesh no longer for human passion but for the will of God. For the time that is past, 1 Peter 4.3, is sufficient for doing what the Gentiles, lost people, what they do living in sensuality, in passion, in drunkenness, in orgies, in drinking parties, and idolatry. The time for us to do what they do, he says, we've had enough time. What what can we now experience that we think is going to satisfy us other than the God of heaven and His Son, Jesus Christ? What, What idol now has the answers for our future and can give to us the satisfaction for our disappointments in life. So he said, Peter says, look, the time is sufficient. You've lived enough years in a backslidden condition and you've eaten the fruit of believing lies. So what more can we add that we don't already know? We know where that's going to take us. We know where God's Word's going to take us. So it's time to seek the Lord. That time is sufficient. 
don't you feel that, that in your life you've spent enough time wasting it doing what the Gentiles do? Doesn't that resonate? Can't you say amen to that? I'm sick. I'm sick of that. I don't want to give the world another second of my time. I want to spend it doing the will of God. That's what Peter said. And that's, it. that's the idea here with Hosea. He says, it is time to seek the Lord because the, in the sense of a harvest, in the sense of an opportunity, the season is now. And, and, and so Hosea the prophet says the path to renewal takes us right into the sense of urgency. But here's a second thing that Hosea points out. And it's based on this idea of fallow ground. Um, it's time to seek the Lord not only because of the time that's passed, but also because the ground is hard. It's not going to be an easy thing to seek the Lord. This is more than just a trip to the altar, taking a communion. This, the, the, the ground is fallow. There's got to be some plowing and some digging and some. we've got to turn this field over in order to get it soft and pliable and open to the, the pure seed of God's Word to bring forth fruit. So he said, break up the fallow ground. Why, must, why is it time to seek the Lord? Because there's work to be done to find Him in a fresh, renewed, reviving way. This is not going to be easy. This is fallow ground. That's what I'm saying. When I look at the New Testament, you know that, that where the Bible describes what's possible for a Christian? Listen to this verse. 1 Peter 1.8 Though you have not seen Him, talking about Jesus Christ, you love Him. Amen? You haven't seen Him, but you love Him. And even though you don't see Him now, you believe in Him. And you are filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Whoa! How many of us would go that far? Joy unspeakable. I'm so full of joy I can't convey it, is what Peter is saying. When he writes to these believers, he says, your joy is inexpressible. Oh, the glory of God that rests upon you by the power of His Holy Spirit. But is that our experience? Or do we have fallow ground? See, that's what I'm talking about. There's an experience with God, but where are we in light of the way the Scripture describes what a Christian can have? That's what I'm saying. Or how about this? Isaiah 66, 2. God says, to this man will I look. That is, I'll pay attention to this man. To him that is poor and of a contrite spirit. Humble. And he trembles at my word. How long has it been since you took your Bible and trembled when you opened up your Bible. 
because you're unsure what God's going to say to you. God speaks to you through His Word. and Oh, you tremble at the Word of God. I sat in a classroom some time ago listening to a, a, a man talk about conviction and sin and righteousness and the things that are so neglected today, fallow ground all around us. And as I sat and I listened and the Holy Spirit worked in my heart, I thought I was going to literally fall out of the chair. And I interrupted him. I said, you are slaying me. He, he didn't know hardly what to say to that. But have you ever heard of being slain in the Spirit? Now, I'm a Baptist background. I don't even believe in that. But I'll tell you right now, I had to hold on to keep from falling out of my chair under the heaviness that of the holiness, the heaviness of His holiness that descended on me there. And I went to a church when I was in Louisville. And it was a Baptist church because it, uh, it was close. I'm not against the Baptist. And I walked in and I had to find the auditorium. And when I did, uh, went in and sat down. And the pews were so close. I know some of you fuss at me for making these chairs so wide apart. But these pews, I mean, when I sat down, I could see the woman. I could look down her dress in front of me in her back. Just by, whoa, too much information there. And as I was sitting there, and they were singing uh, an old chorus. <laughs> These are the days of Elijah. How old is that? How's that? Kevin, you sang that 15 years ago over at the Mother Church. <laughs> These are the days of Elijah. So they were a little behind the times. Thought Kumbaya was coming next. But as they sang, I was sitting on the very back row, the Holy Spirit fell upon me. And I began to weep. Oh, oh God as He just bathed me in His presence and washed me and renewed me and revived me. And I looked around and there was an old usher. He must have been 90. He wasn't getting what I was getting. The row in front of me, they wasn't getting it. I thought, Where's, what, what's going on? Why am I being bothered by the Holy Spirit? <laughs> I just came in to sing the song and hear the sermon and go back. Oh, but fallow ground being broken up. Do we experience God or do we just hear sermons about Him and hear people sing about Him? These people up here don't want you to come in and hear a concert they want you to experience the God of heaven, the God of Israel, the God that Hosea said 
break up fallow ground so you can sow in righteousness and have Him rain it down on you so that there's renewal and revival in our hearts. The ground is hard. But a third reason it's time to seek the Lord is because He promises mercy. Look at Hosea 10, 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness and reap in mercy. Now, usually you reap what you sow. See verse 13, you plowed iniquity and then you reaped unrighteousness. You see that? See, there, usually you get what you sow. But in verse 12, you sow righteousness and you don't get righteousness. What do you get? You get mercy. You get that which is undeserved. God comes down and gives you mercy as you try to begin to do right. You're sowing to do right. And then the floods of mercy. Here's what, here's what Isaiah 44.3 says, I will pour water on him that is thirsty and floods on dry ground. See, that's fallow ground. I'll pour floods on the dry, fallow ground. That's what we need is floods. There is a verse... In Hosea 4, verse 6, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it says, since he's talking to these people, Hosea's speaking to the Israelites, he said, since you priests refuse to know me, then I refuse to recognize you as my priests. And since you've forgotten the laws of your God, I will forget to bless your children. You ever read that? Boy, that should cause us to tremble. When you forget the the word of God, God says, I will forget your children. Do we understand the consequences of not seeking the Lord when he calls on us to seek him? It's time to seek the Lord. But if we do seek him, here's what he says in Acts 2, in verse 38. Acts 2, 38. He says, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is to you and your children. Notice that. It is to you and your children and all who are far off. If we refuse to seek the Lord, God says, I will forget to bless you. We forget God. He forgets us and our children. There are consequences to the next generation. But if we seek the Lord, the, the promises to us and our children, the next generation. And we have so many children. We have, we have a stewardship here. We have to seek the Lord on their behalf. They've probably got more out there than we got in here. So we must seek the Lord for them. I, I got a phone call this week of a lady at our mother church that had died. And her name was Bonnie, and she 
she would often come up to me after a service and she'd say, Pastor, please pray for my son, pray for my grandson. I just, they have this problem or that problem and and I, I just want them to come to church with me. I've been trying to get them to come to church. So we prayed, we'd pray for her and with her. And then she got sick and couldn't come much and then I got word this week she had died. Well, the son called me and asked if I would do the funeral. So I said, well, I, I would be happy to do it. I think Bonnie would want me to do it. And I said, I, I will bring God's word to you. And, she, and he said, yes, I, but I think mother would want you to do our, her funeral for her. So we agreed. And then he called back the next day and said, would it be all right if we had the funeral at the church? I said, I think that would be fine. And so we did. And at this dear lady's funeral, there come all her children and all the grandchildren from out of state family gathered in. And what she had prayed for all that time I knew her came to pass. All her family was in church. And I preached the word to her. And I think Bonnie was saying, Jesus, thank you for answered prayer. It's to us and our children. We may not see it. God will answer our prayers if we will seek Him. This next generation needs us to seek the Lord. What I'm planning to do, if God helps us to do it, I'm going to try to lay out some messages that are just basic ABC messages, salvation messages. In fact, next week I'm going to start on creation evolution. In the beginning, God. So we'll start there, okay? That's a good place to begin. Uh, And this is a good time to bring people to church who do not necessarily even believe in God. Next Sunday morning, creation and evolution. The God of Genesis 1. And we're going to lay these things out, talk about salvation. We'll do this for several weeks. I'm planning a baptism. I'm planning a new membership class. We've had some people ask about uh, membership. And then we're going to conclude after about 10 weeks or so with a a man I've invited in to hold a spiritual renewal weekend here at Field House. And so that's coming up. So it's time to seek the Lord. The, The time is urgent. Time has passed, our fields are hard, we've got work to do in it, but God will help us, and great blessings are promised. So let's do it, let's seek Him. Bow with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray this morning that You would help us and give us the grace and strength that we need to seek You and to know You and to experience You, not just learn about You or hear another sermon or hear another song, but to know and feel and experience the living God as you come and dwell in us and live through us for your name's sake and your glory and honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen. Amen.